0: Well, Benjamin has read the text for us. Um, it's from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. And it's titled, Unity in Christ. There's one silly conversation that we may have used to have, which is, what if one day you wake up and you learn, that, uh, you learn something about yourself that changes everything? So, For example, uh, what if you wake up And you have a notification on your phone that you've won a lottery (laughs) or what if you notice you realize one morning suddenly that you are an heir to some inheritance and you overnight become kind of a millionaire or something like that how would that kind of a knowledge affect you how would it affect your uh, your behavior your attitude your confidence, and your self-esteem, the way you evaluate yourself, how would such kinds of knowledge affect you? And maybe I would, I would probably uh, take some lessons on how to manage like property and wealth. Or I might think more about investments and all this kind of stuff that I don't have to worry about right now. Um, or maybe I might find that there are things that bothered me before and they don't bother me any longer. The things that used to be fun may not be fun any longer. I may discover that I may have, I have new concerns, new plans, new engagements, even new obsessions and new pattern of lifestyle that emerges because of this new revelation in order for me to live that life that I suddenly am confronted with. And in that way, In other other words, I will need to walk in a manner that is worthy or that through which I can live according to that fact, that new identity and new responsibility that I have. And I think that's what Paul is saying here in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Live and behave and Conduct yourself, consider yourselves, consider others according to who we are in Christ now. According to the new identity in Christ. And what exactly is it that we are in Christ? Just to recap a little bit, we have gone through a few chapters of Ephesians now at this point. And we saw that Paul was saying that in Christ we have inheritance, spiritual inheritance. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ that has been already blessed on us in the heavenly realms. We are a new creation, right? Uh, We we have been uh, recreated, so to say, with new identity. Um, And we are also part of a community of those who are in Christ. Uh, We're not individuals, uh, uh, but we are a community, uh, a body of Christ. And of course, Paul talks about the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel is that those who are outside of the fold are now invited to be a part of God's people. We thought we were outside of the community of God, the family of God, and now we are a part of the family of God. And so with all of these things that Paul has said, we ought to live according to that knowledge, to that fact of who we are in Christ. We have been invited into this family of God. And now we are told, that we can be a part of the household of God, we discover our true identity in Christ. I think I just want to dwell a little bit more on the metaphor of the family, that we are adopted or we are uh, invited, accepted into a household, a family of God. I think it's uh, it's a helpful metaphor to reflect on in this text for today. So if I may put it this way, our calling that we are supposed to live in, our calling is to grow into the family of God. Our calling is to, to have our lives transformed into the likeness of our Father, who is God, and our brother, who is Jesus. And I think that's the that's a calling that we have. And that's the calling that Paul is saying, walk in a manner that is worthy of this calling. So... In Ephesians four, verse one to six, and it might be worth having that open just so that you can just bounce uh, off as I reflect on this, as I share on this, but in Ephesians chapter four, verse one to six, Paul brings a very interesting term, which is he says, "Keep the unity of the spirit." I think in ESV it's, uh, it's given as um, in verse three he says, "Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit." In other translations it's eager to preserve or to keep the unity of the spirit. I think that's, a, uh, that's important for us to realize the unity of the spirit. What do we mean here? And allow me to just talk a little bit about God and about the Trinity. Uh, we have the Apostles' Creed that we read every Sunday. And uh, a big part of that is that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is how God has revealed himself in scripture. And what that means, essentially for today, is that God, the, the three persons of the Trinity exist in perfect unity. They are not one things in three types. They are three different persons, distinct persons with agency, so, that, so we say, and they exist in perfect unity. So the Father is the one who sends the Son. They are not one and the same. They are separate persons. The Father sends the Son the son obeys and goes and obeys the will of the father jesus said his will his joy is to do the will of the father so the the son seeks and delights in obeying the will of the father there's humility and submission to one another and the father son and the holy spirit the father raises the son from the dead and he was pleased to raise the son from the dead and jesus said i will send my spirit and so jesus sends the spirit who who comes to us believers who lives in us the spirit delights to honor the father what i'm trying to say is in this trinity the way that god has revealed himself we have the father the son and the holy spirit living in perfect unity in perfect fellowship and communion and this wonderful unity this wonderful partnership this wonderful oneness that we see in god the selflessness the submission to one another the sacrifice on behalf of one another the obedience giving themselves for the sake of one another seeking to fulfill the will of the other bringing joy to the other the unity of the spirit god's unity as perfected in the three in one god that is our inspiration that is the the model and that is the source of our unity a unity that is characterized by love compassion Peace, oneness, and righteousness. So, God's that is our model. And what's remarkable about this is that it's not just the three persons in the Trinity enjoying the fellowship. It's almost like they have invited us to come and be a part of the fellowship. So, I'm not sure if you remember the picture that Chow put up in uh, uh, in his sermon a few weeks back: three persons sitting and reclining around a table enjoying perfect friendship and fellowship. And he mentioned that in in between them, there's an open space, as if to say, you have a space there. You can come and you can join this table and sit with us and enjoy this perfect unity, perfect fellowship. That is what the church is. That is what the body body of Christ is. That we, in big theological terms, to participate in the unity, to participate in the triune God, right? big terms but that's all what it really means and that is what the church is that's what the body of Christ is and if we don't realize that our calling is to preserve and to keep the unity of the Spirit with one another we may we may find ourselves uh, doing things or having attitudes that disrupt the unity in the body of Christ that can be in the form of pride the lack of empathy the lack of understanding for one another And these things bring tension in the journey of our brothers and sisters who are in their own ways also trying to sit down with God in that table, just as we are also doing the same. So Paul's point, I think, in saying keep or preserve the unity of the Spirit is to say that it's not us who creates this unity. It's not us who forces this unity. It is unity that comes from God. It is unity that comes from who God is. I think that's why Paul says have humility and have gentleness, have patience and forbearance, long-suffering. And I want to just draw um, three reflections on why humility, gentleness, patience, and all of these things are crucial for us, uh, as Paul says. Firstly, on the personal level. On the personal level, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance. That Paul mentions I think in verse 1 and verse 2 uh, these are crucial because that is who Jesus is Jesus embodied humility and gentleness there's one place in Matthew 11:28 28 to 30 where he says I am gentle and lowly in heart Jesus his life best articulated what it means to be gentle and what it means to be humble firstly he, he articulates gentleness through, uh, his, um, through his role as the good shepherd. I'm sure you're all uh, probably f- uh, f- uh, familiar with that motif of Jesus as the good shepherd. A good shepherd is powerful. He is strong. And yet he is gentle. He is kind. And he leads his flock. A good shepherd never uses his strength to kill and to destroy or to take advantage of the flock. But a good shepherd always ensures through his strength that the flock flourishes, right? The flock have the best so that the flock can say with confidence, like the, David said in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That is a shepherd who gives confidence to his flock. So a good shepherd or gentleness is one that leads, that guides and that does for the best of others. That gentleness, if you think about humility, again, Jesus embodies humility. In Philippians chapter two, Paul talks about the humility of Jesus. He says, even though Jesus was worthy of the greatest and he is the greatest, he chose to stoop himself to a low position. He chose to stoop himself, humble himself and become the form of a servant, uh, washing the feet of others the most undeserving. And he he humbled himself to the point that he even gave his life so that others may find life. So Jesus, on a personal level, we have Jesus as the role model of sorts, as our model for humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearance. And that is the paradigm, I think, that Paul invites us to look at. Gentleness that uses our abilities and our strength to serve gentleness that uses our strengths to steer and to guide others to what is good and humility that is willing to serve so that others may get what is good and in, in today's context goodness is sort of goodness is to experience the unity the communion and the fellowship of the spirit so gentleness humility Patience and forbearance are ways through which we can help others sit down in the, in, the, in the fellowship of God, to enjoy the communion of God. I think I was reflecting on this and it struck me that in this, especially today's world, in a time of aggression, right? Military aggression, um, political aggression, in a time of show of strength and show of power, a time when nations are boasting Persons are boasting. It's about self-assertion, showing that nobody should mess with me and all that stuff. In a time when there's disgust for anything that is different or other from you, I think in in such a time, gentleness, humility, patience and forbearance is so refreshing. It's a model that Christ embodies and it's so timely, so important for us to embody um, in our personal lives. So Paul invites us to Practice humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearance. But I need to remind you, we need to remind that this unity is not just unity for the sake of unity. And what I mean is, this unity is the unity that comes from God, unity in the spirit. It's unity that comes because we are participating in who God is and how he has revealed himself, right? This is a unity that reflects The unity of God, that is one of compassion, one of grace, one of generosity, justice, honesty, and truth. Any kind of unity, any kind of stability that is rooted in injustice, that is rooted in discrimination of others for the sake of a few, any kind of unity that is a result of corruption, conformity, or being complicit to what is evil and what is sinful, that cannot be the unity of God. That cannot be the unity of the triune God. That cannot be the unity of who God has revealed himself, which is full of grace and full of truth. Uh, a God who self sacrifices for the sake of others. And I say this because uh, we, we are bombarded today with news of cover ups in even in churches, right? Uh, silence against, uh, against evil, corruption in the church among Christians and among the rest of the people as well. The tendency to maintain the status quo for fear of breaking this quote-unquote unity. I think we need to remember that unity is just not, for, not just for the sake of unity. Unity comes from closeness to God. And that's why I think gentleness and humility is so crucial because we need to acknowledge that we have our blind spots. We need to acknowledge perhaps that we, we can be wrong to think for others, to get out of our own perspectives and to serve, to shepherd, to love and to sacrifice like Jesus. We need gentleness and humility so that we are not building our own empires or our own industries, whether in church or in our own life as well. But we are working towards reconciliation, restoration, justice, righteousness and healing. That's why I think even on a corporate level as a church, we need gentleness and humility. And I must add, as a student of world Christianity, um, I cannot help but marvel at texts like this. For example, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I cannot help marvel at this text. At the same time, have a sense of nervousness. I remember um, my first, uh, first um time, the, the, the first time I really learned about history of the church, uh, 10 years, 10 something years back, during my uh, Master of Divinity. And I remember being so disappointed when you read the history, because, man, the history of the, the church, Christianity is, is so messy, right? <laughs> uh, we, um, of course, even in recent weeks, I think the, the conversation also has come up, how, how would the church, how must the church react to, say, the conflict that's going on in, in, uh, in Europe, Um, And, of course, we know from history that there are many Christians who agreed uh, with the whole uh, Nazism in Germany. We know that there are people, there are Christians who participated in colonization, in slavery. We know my own uh, uh, missionary heritage of American Baptists in the U.S., who were involved in racial segregation and all these messy histories, right these folks that I'm we read about the imperfections that we see looking back in history they are also part of the one body one Lord one baptism and I don't know how to think about that but it makes me nervous and yet they got it so wrong and what I'm trying to say is I think about our own church our own my own Christianity and I used to wonder what will our children's generation or the subsequent generations find glaringly, glaringly wrong about my own Christianity? What will they criticize? What will they prophetically and spiritually call out? Looking back in history at what we have done, how we have lived, I don't know. And that, what, that makes me nervous. I don't mean to scare you here. What I'm trying to say is we are people who live in a particular historical moment we live in a particular cultural context, particular place, and we will most likely get something things wrong. And I think that's why we need gentleness and humility, right? I think that reinforces the fact that we need humility and grace and gentleness as we strive to maintain the unity of the Spirit. To make sure that all that we are doing is to the best of our ability to preserve and to keep the unity of the Spirit so that what we do may not become a stumbling block for somebody who wants to come and join the table, uh, the, join the perfect unity that God has invited us to participate. To make sure that our work and our involvement, not just in church but outside, to make sure that our involvement is one full of love and mercy, justice, peace, healing, one that reflects God in whose presence there can be no corruption in whose presence there can be no discrimination, there can be no hatred, there can be no prejudices. We need gentleness to listen. We need gentleness to empathize with those around us. We need humility to be willing to serve rather than to be served. I think that's why it's so, such, such a small bit of text, but it's, I, I feel like it's so much there, and so much important lessons for us to, to, to reflect on. Walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And our calling is to, we are invited to participate in the oneness, the unity that we see in in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, let me close with the question that I began with. How would the knowledge of your calling change the way you live? How would the knowledge of what we have been called to, which is to maintain or preserve the unity of the Spirit, how would that change the way you live? Knowing that we have been invited to sit at the table of the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I think we ought to be humble. We would be humble. We would be gentle. We would be patient. We would be uh, long-suffering as we eagerly strive to live in unity in the Spirit. We would, I think we would be eager to reconfigure our lives so that we are living, um, living in accordance with that calling. Right? And of course, it's not me who's only sitting with God, the Father, and Spirit, and four of us hanging out for eternity. It's just others as well, the people who are seated here. We, we sit down with everyone else in this room, with everyone else who are in Christ from all around the world. Right? And also, let me remind you, indeed we sit down with not just people from around the world at this moment but people from the past and people from the future who are going to be in Christ from all over the world. That is the calling that we have, that Christ has invited us to to participate in, being accepted, to be adopted, to use the metaphor, go back to the metaphor. To be adopted into the family of God. So I invite as I close, shall we pray and shall we ask God to lead us and to help us. Uh, I know that these are very, you may find this very abstract and theological, but what does this mean in my life? What does this mean in my family, in my own personal lives and my professional lives? Uh, shall we pray and ask God to, so that he may lead us and help us to live in unity with one another in this perfect unity of the Spirit. Let's just pause for a moment and then I will pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have invited us to partake, to join and to participate in who you are, God who is love, who is full of grace and truth. We ask, Lord, that you help us to, uh, as we celebrate our own um, acceptance into this fellowship, in this community of, uh, of believers, help us also to make sure that we are also helping others to join in that fellowship, that we may... Um, we may see one another. We may see ourselves, indeed, and one another, with gentleness, with patience, um, with humility, doing all that we can, so that we may push one another closer towards You. We pray, Lord, for Your grace upon us, and um, that as we strive to make all of these abstract things real in our lives, in our in our activities, in our lifestyle, pray that You will give us wisdom, and may Your Spirit. Uh, Probe us and lead us and continue to push us in the right way. We thank you for hearing our prayers and we thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.